Hi there. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Arthritis Life Podcast, where we share arthritis life stories and tips for thriving with autoimmune arthritis. My name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis beyond joint pain. I've been living with rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years, and I'm also a mom, occupational therapist, video creator, support group leader, and I created the Room to Thrive self-management program. I am so excited to help you live a more empowered life with arthritis. We're going to cover everything from kitchen life hacks to navigating the healthcare system to coping with friends who just don't get it. Seriously, no topic is going to be off limits on this podcast. My interviewees and I share our honest stories of how chronic illness affects our lives. This includes discussions about mental health, sex, shame, pregnancy, body image, advocacy, self-acceptance, and so much more. You'll hear stories from all ends of the spectrum, from a person who's living in Medicaid remission from psoriatic arthritis to somebody living with severe mobility restrictions and severe pain from rheumatoid arthritis. You'll hear how people manage their conditions in different ways, like medications, mindfulness, movement, social support, work accommodations, and so much more. You'll also hear from rheumatology experts who just get it. We'll dive deep into the science behind chronic pain and what's the latest evidence for lifestyle changes that can help you thrive with arthritis, including exercise, sleep, nutrition, stress reduction, and more. This is your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Hi, I'm so excited to have Katie Sirfoss today on the Arthritis Life Podcast. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yay. And um, can you just give us a quick introduction where you live and what is your relationship to arthritis? Yes. So I'm in the Philly area, um, Pennsylvania, East Coast, and um, I am a patient. So I've had rheumatoid arthritis for two years now. Great. Thank you. And I always give, you know, a little extra moment of, you know, what would I call it? Empathy to people who have gotten their diagnosis during the worldwide pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> and, um, I know that this is not your only condition. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about your other chronic health conditions? Sure. So, um, I've been in chronic pain for almost 18 years now. So, uh, uh, my primary diagnosis that I've had the longest, um, is called reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which is abbreviated to RSD. Some people call it complex regional pain syndrome too. I'm just like an RSD girl. That's how I was diagnosed. So that's what I call it. Um, <clears throat> so I've had that for 18 years and then, uh, seven years ago got diagnosed with migraine. Um, and did not actually know it for a while because I thought it was RSD related. Um, and then was having vestibular migraines actually for a while and didn't know what that was or what was going on with that. And a neurologist, uh, was like, Nope, you've been living with migraine and now and vestibular migraine episodes too. And then, uh, two years ago, was, uh, introduced to RA. So it was all obviously the pandemic, that part, but, um, again, sometimes I think when you have got like, uh, multiple chronic pain issues, certain, um, like things don't stand out as much as like something's wrong. Cause it's like, well, 
my body always feels off, you know? So that uh, is my little, little collection of diagnoses. (laughs) Yes. You're, you're a collector, but you've already touched on something that's, it's so complex when you live with more than one condition and especially more than one pain condition, it's always hard to know, like, is this my, is it my fibromyalgia or is it my rheumatoid arthritis? Is it my mixed connective tissue disease or is it my rheumatoid arthritis? In your case, RSD reflex sympathetic dystrophy, is it that, or is it rheumatoid arthritis? And I, uh, I wonder if you ever got in the position I've been in sometimes where I've been like, I go flip-flop in between like gaslighting myself, like, oh, it's not, it's probably not nothing. It's probably nothing really bad. And then you go to the doctor, they're like, actually, whoa, that actually is bad. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. That's exactly what happened with the RA. And I think like for me with the, with the RSD, like what I had been told and also what my experience had been, it's like, it's a, it's a progressive disease. And so because of that, you know, um, as over time it's gotten harder or worse. Like I've always described it as it feels like it's like leveling up on me. And like, I don't know that it's coming. And so sometimes I have bizarre flares that it's like, is this just weird? Is like my body just playing like a bad whack-a-mole game, you know, or, or is this a flare or is this leveling up? And very rarely is it, oh, it's leveling up to the next thing. But when it's happened, it's always been super scary and super like random symptoms in the, in the mix. And so I, I didn't do a great job paying attention to even considering that something new was going on. In fact, I still, I think that's like, not usually the first thing on my mind is like something else is wrong. It's like, I normally default to assuming it's the RSD. And so with the RA that really confused me because migraine was like, well, that I thought was connected because of how much pain I was in, but the RA was like, no, I, I feel weak. And I, that was not an issue with the RSD and like, I have nerve pain with my RSD, but this was joint pain, but it still didn't even cross my mind that it could be something different. But when it, when it came on, it came on really, really abruptly. And I reached out to my team and was like, I don't know what this is. And they were like, it sounds like a fluky flare. And then it's like, okay, again, is it the whack-a-mole? Like, is it like the, yeah. it will settle or is it leveling up? So I was completely blindsided to be like, oh, it's actually totally something different. So I didn't even know what gaslighting was until like, and that's a whole different part for me, I think, but like until the last two years for other stuff, but like, I don't know that I was so much gaslighting myself as much as it was that I just assumed like, I've already got this kind of bear of a disease I'm fighting. It's probably that, you know, and then be like, oh, it's totally, it's something totally different. Well, and I think that it's, it's so complex because I think even physicians are famously taught in medical school. If you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. Like you're typically right. supposed to be right. the simplest, most obvious explanation is quote unquote, usually correct. Or like to a hammer, everything's a nail, like to the rheumatologist, everything's musculoskeletal or autoimmune, you know, to the cardiologist, everything's heart related and, and vascular, you know, to the orthopedist, it's all about bones or, you know, it's like, 
each specialist also sees things through their own lens. But I think if you actually looked at every new symptom and considered all the plethora of things it, it could possibly be, you would actually just like never do anything because it would be endless. You're like, it could be a pituitary tumor because right. I'm also sweating, or it could be, yeah. you know, it could be like so many, you know what I'm saying? Now with long COVID or with any of us who've gotten COVID, which I know that we can, we can I just didn't even put that in my yeah. list to talk about, but it's like, I've gone to a couple of doctors with a couple of my you know, symptoms that are again, potentially in the realm of rheumatoid arthritis symptoms, but a little bit different than what I experienced in the 18 years before I got COVID. Is it post, as my physiatrist said, is it post COVID quote unquote weirdness that they've been seeing mm -hmm. the last few years right. or is it? So anyway, sorry, that was a long rant. Well, no, no, no. And like, I think like for me, you know, it took me like three years to get diagnosed with the RSD and it was a horrible journey to get there. And it then took, even after that, it took quite a long time, many more years to feel really confident with my medical team. And I do, I am so grateful because I know it's not common that like every player on the team, you know, and it really does feel like a team of my medical team. Um, I have full trust in. And so, but it took a long time to get there. So I think that like when it's like, oh, you know, a different specialist is looking for it to be their own thing. Like that was a little bit true, but again, it was more that the complexity of the disease was just already so confusing that it's like, yeah, I'm honestly, a lot of things could be, um, RSD. And that, that's something that when I finally got on the right path with like getting treated for, like I was cautioned as a warning of like being really careful that like, I don't assume that if I'm feeling injured somewhere that it's not actually an injury because I'm a little bit prone to thinking it's probably the RSD that I could be neglecting something that's actually wrong. You know what I mean? Like a, right. another thing that's wrong. And so like, that was a big thing, like said to me early on, like to be careful in certain settings, you know, that like, I don't just not ex get certain things checked out just because I assume it's this. Um, and so, um, I'm really grateful for the team I have because that's actually how, um, and I don't know if you want to go in this direction or not, but like, that's actually how I got diagnosed as quickly as I did with the RA, mm. because once it was obvious that this was not RSD, it was like, it was because I have this all-star team that it was like, okay, how do we figure out what it is? Cause it's definitely not us. Like it's not in our category right. of things. So how do we, how do we figure that out? So I was really grateful because that was not my experience getting diagnosed with the other, you know, two yes. pieces of the puzzle here. So, yeah, I think that's actually great to go, to go into. I mean, as long as you're willing to, first of all, I always try to acknowledge people, the emotional labor it takes to go back in time and revisit these like painful diagnosis memories, you know, um, is, is a lot it's significant. So thank you for being willing to share about it. Cause I know that people listening are going to feel less alone when you share this, um, because so many people think, oh, I must've like, I always blame myself. Like I must not have explained it correctly. That's why I didn't get treated better. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, let's, and first of all, just, do you have a, um, the elevator speech for what RSD is, or like, what are the kind of the most greatest hits symptoms of that, I guess, just to ground sure. what that is and then go into what your symptoms were and how you got diagnosed. 
Sure. So caveat for anybody listening, because I'm this way. So just in case someone listening is this way too. Sometimes I think we hear certain symptoms that are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I I've got that too. So let me be really clear and just say that part of RSD's weirdness, if you will, is, is that it does present differently for different people. Um, and if caught early, most people have this localized and it can get to a point where it can go into remission if it's caught and treated fast. There is no cure for it. So there's no like, oh, it's all better. But a, a lot of people can get to that point quickly if it's if it's caught fast. That was not my experience. Therefore, I have a really different and more dramatic case of it because of how we got there. So I don't want anyone listening thinking, oh my goodness, this is how this goes. Cause it, it, it didn't have to be. And unfortunately it, it is part of my story. So mm-hmm. when, when you have, you have, um, RSD impacts your sympathetic nervous system. And while this is not medical or scientific, it is essentially like my sympathetic nervous system is like wired incorrectly. It's, it's, it's like, it's constantly misfiring and, and telling my body that it's in pain and we need to, we need to address this issue. And in the attempt to address it, it's actually inducing pain. So it's like short circuiting. And so, um, my body is in constant pain everywhere. So I am super, super sensitive to light touch. Um, so sometimes I can't wear certain pieces of clothing or my hair has to be laying on me a certain way because like the, the, you know, the, the, um, reaction that I get feels like more intensified pain, fiery, like burning, stabbing, shooting pain for me. Um, I can, um, some people get color, uh, changes to the affected area. Some people get temperature changes to the affected area. For me, that happens occasionally, but again, I don't have a localized pain. So my pain spread because it took a long time. It began in one spot, um, in, in, in my back and eventually over time, and it was intermittent. And eventually over time it became consistent and it came all over my body. So there's no area on my body uh, that I don't feel dramatic pain, um, 24 seven. So when you can't, because there's no cure for it, it's like, again, depending on when you get diagnosed, it's like, okay, where, where has it progressed to and how do we best attack it? And so for me, there's not really attacking because it's already spread everywhere. Now it's like, how do we manage the pain to the point that you can live as comfortably as you can um, to to live your life as best as you can. So for me, what that looks like is, you know, um, pacing my life differently, um, taking different medications, seeing multiple different specialists. And um, every three months, and this is not how it started, but as it's progressed, this is where the need has been, um, is that I go into the hospital every three months for an infusion, a week-long infusion of ketamine and lidocaine. And um, the combination of those two kind of like suppresses my sympathetic nervous system. It's almost like it, 
it's almost like a great band-aid. It's not fixing the problem. It will right. return again. But for the moment, it's like it like lets everything just calm a little bit. So I describe that pain like the volume on a TV. And I say, like, if you're watching TV, you know, and um someone's talking to you, as long as the TV is a certain level, you can hear the person talk. You might not hear both at the same time, great, but like it's background noise and you can hear the person talking. And for me, it's like, that's like how the pain is, is that like when the, when the, after that infusion, it's like, okay, the TV's gotten turned down that I can hear you and I can mm -hmm. know that the pain's there, but eventually that volume is going to turn up louder, louder, louder. And now it's gonna be like, you can talk. I see that you're talking, but I can't hear you because all I can hear is how loud the TV is. And that's like how loud the pain gets. So, so currently that's our best management tool for that, but there's no, um, oh, this is our one thing to stop it. So that's severe and not right. everybody's situation. Cause a lot of people have it localized. There's different treatments you can do for that, but that's not my experience, but that's also why it gets complicated to why when new pain comes, it's like, oh, it's probably this because yeah. it's already pretty intense. What you're saying? So yeah. And you've had to cope for so long with such a high degree of pain that, um, it's almost like a, I, I, a lot of patients with chronic pain end up kind of, um, dissociating from their body to some degree, um, or distracting yeah. themselves. So then they're like, well, I don't want to pay attention to this new pain. Right. Cause you're like, oh, yeah. I'm that's my coping mechanism is not paying attention to the pain. Uh that's actually a huge lesson I'm still currently learning. Like even my, my pain doctor that's been with me the longest who treats me for the RSD said to me literally just the other week, he's like, Katie, I need you to try to stay in your body. And it kind of jarred me when he said it. And I was like thinking about it. I'm like, he's right. Like it is so easy and tempting for me when the pain is so bad to just bulldoze past it because it's like, I can't fix it. And mm -hmm. I, I don't want to pay attention to it, but in, in doing so it's like, I am like grabbing myself naturally. Cause I'm like thinking yeah. about, it's like, Oh, I'm not being tender to my body, you know, in the, right. in the process, you know? And so I'm relearning how to, when to distract. Cause it's just too much. And like towards mm -hmm. the end of an infusion cycle, when we get to there, that is exactly where I am, you know? And then when to be like, okay, this is a lot, but I don't want to look away either right. because I want to care for my body. Um, yeah. That that's been, um, and I don't, I would not classify the pain I have had typically from RA. I would not classify that as severe. So I don't know what that's like. I've only had severe pain in acute situations like my C-section or my pelonidal cyst surgery or my car accident. Um, but it's more like mild to moderate, but even with mild to moderate pain, technically my disease is actually classified as moderate to severe, but I would classify my pain as less than that, if that makes sense. Um, does, yeah. and, um, and my therapist who is not, he's actually more of an OCD specialist than a, than a pain specialist, interestingly, but OCD, there's a weird parallel because um, the same thing with, with OCD is that you try, like the more that you try to distract yourself away from those intrusive thoughts or compulsions, mm -hmm. the more power they have over you. So you have to learn how to just sit with this uncomfortable thought. Like if I don't wash my hands again, like I might die. Like, and that's a thought, uncomfortable thought. And the same way with the pain that you have is so uncomfortable, but, um, it's like 
that which you hold holds you. You know, that's from Tom Tom Robbins. So the more that we hold on to like, I have to get rid of, I have to distract myself from this pain. The pain is powerful, is more powerful because you're saying, but anyway, I don't know. I, sorry, this is about your story, but, no, it's um, it's okay. but that's really, and I, that was going to be one of my questions. I'm just thinking of the audience who might be listening, being like, wait, who treats this? So you mentioned it's a pain doctor. Yeah. So I like, <clears throat> there's a, a few people on my team that isn't to the, all right. And I promise I'll get there fast because this is oh, how yeah. it connects, but no, no, no. It so, <laughs> so I see the person that is treating my RSD. I've seen different people, believe it or not, the actual first person who diagnosed me with the RSD. I didn't even remember this because I was a, I was a teenager. My mom told me after the RA diagnosis was a rheumatologist. I totally did not realize that at the time, oh my gosh. Um, but I've never seen a rheumatologist for this disease after that. And that was a poor experience. So like, I don't, I don't know how or why, but he was a rheumatologist and that's who diagnosed me. And that was the right diagnosis. But anyway, um, who actually treats it is like a pain management specialist, but um, who oversees, he's, he um, treats different people with different high intense pain disorders. But then I also have a physiatrist on the team who I love the infusion um, specialist who like primarily works with, he's on a, it's called a pain team, but he's on a pain management team that works with people who receive ketamine. Um, and then I have the neurologist for the migraine and then obviously the rheumatologist for, um, the RA, but the physiatrist, Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, pain doctor and the infusion doctor work very closely together they were the ones that when we finally were like, this is not RSD, what's going on? Something's wrong. The physiatrist, I always say, I felt like she became like the, the, um, like, uh, project manager of my pain. It was Uh, like, all of a sudden she was like, all right, like we need to investigate other, like what, what else is going on? Um, and so she like masterfully, um, decided that because I was, I was kind of shocked how horrible I felt all of a sudden with these symptoms that I just didn't know where they were coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was like, if we time this right, we can probably get you seen when you go into the hospital for your next infusion by a couple of different teams to just see if they can figure out what's going on and probably get some imaging expedited because you're already in the hospital. And, um, so before I went in, I did know that for my infusion, I did know that, um, like I, my lab work came back flagged that like, clearly there was something going on and then they did imaging and I got seen by a few different people and the, uh, I got diagnosed when I was in the hospital for this treatment. And I was very fortunate because, like I said, like if someone wasn't like pushing this along, I, I think it could have been a really long time for me to get, to get seen. Um, mm-hmm. So I got diagnosed in the hospital, but not because the RA was that severe, but, but because I, I was already in for, for severe pain yeah. um, for the RSD. And so someone like I sat on my bed and was delivering this news. And I remember thinking 
in fact, I remember saying this the very first time in a room to thrive group. I, I remember getting told like, so, you know, it's rheumatoid arthritis. And I remember thinking like, why is everyone breaking, like seemingly breaking this news to me? Because I just had no idea what rheumatoid arthritis was. So I'm like, Okay. Like why, like, why I'm are you like, so serious? That we know why yeah, are you so serious? I was, and why are you apologizing? Like what's going on? Like just not a clue, <laughs> not a clue. Me exact. Actually, I was elated personally because yeah. I, but in my case, I had no diagnosis other than gastroparesis, which explained my stomach symptoms and weight loss, but not this other symptoms that were related yeah. that were more I mean, weight, unintended weight loss is, is actually a symptom of rheumatoid arthritis. It's just not the one most people think of. Um, so anyway, so I was like, I felt like I'm like, I'm waiting for them to tell me I have like stomach cancer or something. So when they say you have rheumatoid arthritis, like most people, I just think arthritis. I'm like, that's not a big deal. Like, great. You know, give me the, give me the medicine, like fix this. But anyway, so I, it's not that uncommon. Cause when I tell that a lot of people say, wow, cause they're like, okay, but back to your story, you were like, everyone's like really serious about it. They're like, okay. And you're like, okay. serious. And I'm like, I clearly, I'm like, okay. And I, I just didn't respond. Like in hindsight, like when it finally caught up to me, what was going on, I wished for that moment all over again to have had a chance to ask questions and emotionally react. Because by the time I had questions and was emotionally reacting, all of that had gone away because everyone else had moved on. Because at the time, I'm like, okay. So they moved on. And I remember telling, like my favorite nurse, like who came in later to like check on me. I was like, so like someone just came in and gave me this diagnosis. And she was like, oh, Katie. And this reaction, I'm like, why? What is going on? Like, what is it? And I'm like, yeah, still not tracking. So then my mom and my mom like had this like reaction and I'm like, what? And so it finally took until like someone paused and explained to me what it was because I just thought I didn't realize arthritis had such different so many different branches and so many different like what it means and I just was I just was not I had no clue I was so naive and so yeah when it was like okay this is what's going on this is why people are saying it this way this is why people who know me and care about me and know I'm already carrying a lot of pain are reacting this way mm-hmm. it's like okay you have a one it's kind all... of oh sorry sorry I didn't mean. no it's okay it's like all catching up to me and it was like okay what I didn't expect is to walk out of the hospital with a new pain disorder like that is yeah. like you know what I mean like I I was like ready for them to be like, uh, something deficiency and here's a pill. Like, I just, I just was not tracking with, it wasn't even on my radar that I could be walking out with a new doctor. That was probably the most overwhelming. Like we're adding yet another person to the team, um, Mm -hmm. and a new diagnosis that was not just like, Hey, do these three things and you're, you're set. Uh, Yeah. Another very complex, very a huge spectrum of possible severity, a possible response to medications. It's yeah. Anything but straightforward, right? It'd be like one thing to be like, you have iron deficiency anemia and that explains your fatigue. We're going to give you iron and you're going to feel better. Like, great. <laughs> you know, uh, I totally, and I, yes. I, a lot of people I've talked to, including myself, 
<laughs> that makes sense. I thought about this feel kind of like I'm used to, it's like the devil, you know, like I already got used to this one thing, like the RSD. Now you're telling me to get used to some and the migraine at this point, you already knew you had vestibular migraine. Now you're like, it's like fatiguing to be like, now I have to learn this new thing. If you have ever felt completely lost or utterly alone while trying to navigate real life with rheumatic disease, listen up. I am here for you. I created an educational program to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported and connected in a matter of weeks. And it's called Room to Thrive. After earning a master's in occupational therapy and completing hundreds of hours of additional training, I created a step-by-step guide to help you truly thrive with rheumatic disease. This is the only program I know of that's designed to improve quality of life for people living with inflammatory autoimmune forms of arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, Sjogren's disease, and more. During the self-paced lessons, you'll learn how to manage pain and fatigue, cope with stress, navigate relationships, and continue doing the things that matter to you and bring you joy. The goal is really to help you improve your quality of life and learn how to thrive with your rheumatic disease right now, rather than waiting for a distant day when it might be cured or healed. I really created the down-to-earth, practical, heartfelt resource I wish I had had when I was first diagnosed at age 20. If you want even more in-depth support, you can join the 12-week Room to Thrive virtual support group where you'll be surrounded by people who actually get what you're going through. People who will provide the encouragement, validation, and support that you deserve. Each group is expertly moderated so you don't have to worry about the kind of misinformation that spreads like wildfire in the free-for-all social media groups. If you're on the fence, don't just take my word for it. Here's what Katie had to say in March, 2023. I was lost and overwhelmed with my RA diagnosis. It felt overwhelming to know what to read, what to do, how to spend my energy trying to research on the internet. Room to Thrive did that for me. It's been like getting a crash course in my diagnosis along with a community who gets it. To see all the details, including the dates for the next support groups, go to the link in the show notes or bit.ly slash thrive room with a capital T and capital R. You can also just email me anytime at info at myarthritislife.net. And don't delay if you're interested because each group is capped at 16 people or less in order to make a small, intimate group atmosphere. Thanks so much for your time. And I can't wait to get started with the next groups. And I can't wait for those of you who are interested in the self-paced option to go ahead and join that at any time. Bye-bye for now. Yes. And, and I... The migraine, and again, not to minimize because so many people suffer so much worse than with migraine than I, than I feel I do, but I was living for a while, assuming that that was a side effect of the RSD. So primarily I was so focused on the RSD. And at this point now I have people who can explain things to me or I've been living with it long enough. So to have something totally new and then to have my doctors be like, I mean, we're going to work with your rheumatologist, but you need a rheumatologist. Like maybe you want to cry. Cause I was like, can't you just do it? Like, because they're now we're going to explain to the rheumatologist about the RSD. And, and I'm like, when did I become complex? Like, you know, like I just, I don't want to be complicated. I want to just be like, this is 
yeah, it's, this is what we trained. I don't know. I just like was grasping to any sort of illusion. I think I had that I could still be normal. And I I need a new word for that. Cause like, I don't mean to imply that I'm not normal, but I mean, like, it was like, I was constantly living this like double life or something of like chronic illness and my, you know, life as though I don't have illness. And it's like, that's just that any leftover attempt of that was shattered when the art came in. Cause it was like, okay, I can no longer hold all of it. And honestly, I couldn't have said this at the time, but honestly, probably for the better, because this is forcing me now to like come to grips with like the and of like, yes, this is true. And this is true. And not try to be like, okay, now I'm going to put this hat on and I'm going to be going to doctor appointments. And okay, now I'm putting this hat on and I'm professional. Like, it's like, no, it's just, it's just both. It just is both, you know, and it, it can't, it can't be separated. It's unfair to me if it's separated, like I'm a whole person, you know? And so mm. it, it already sh- shattered some things for me that honestly like hurt really bad at the time, but are, it was for the better. Um, wow. but it, including I settled for a doctor, a rheumatologist who my team was not a fan of. And I was like, it'll be fine. And it was not fine. It was not fine at all. And they were right. But in my mind, it was like, I was unwilling to start all over again with the process of finding a rheumatologist. I liked, I'm like, I want to do this. I did this with the RSD. Like, I want to just, it'll be fine. You guys are the primaries and he, and it's like, nope, nope, nope. Like, we need to love this person, whoever it is. Like we need to, like, they need to be willing to work on a team. And wow. so it, it, it took, it took time, you know, to go, yeah. okay. Like over that, you know, but when I finally got to the doctor, the rheumatologist that I see now that I, I really like, I remember thinking I need a welcome binder of like, yeah. hi, you've just been diagnosed with RA and here is your literature and here is how you're going to live and how you're going to function, how you're going to do anything. And it's like, no, that's not here. Okay. <laughs> and, oh, these appointments are maybe 20 minutes. Like, okay. Also not used to that. Like, you know, like not, I, like I'm just so used to living with something different where the protocol is so different, where it's like appointments are so long. And this is like, mm-hmm. wait, what's going on? And it's like, I just, it it was a whole new world. I was, I kept saying, I know how to be a chronic illness patient. I know how to be a patient. I've been doing that for a long time. I do not know how to be an RA patient. Like, Mm. and someone needs to teach me like, and then you found room to thrive and everything's better now. No, (laughs) okay. But honestly, no, but honestly, yeah. Like, because I like felt like I was just like, I was like, I felt like I was losing everything. Like I felt like I was losing my life and I fought so hard to live my life with pain. And it was like, everything's slipping through my fingers again. And I don't know what to do. And like, we can't solve this in 20 minutes. And I'm so, I'm just so confused. And like, everything I was reading on the internet felt so like, I'm like, this is not helpful. Like I need someone to explain what's on the internet and explain like, because if someone came to me and said, I just got diagnosed with RSD, I would be like, stay off the internet. Like, this is what you need. Like read this, listen to that. Like, because I I know what sounds true 
and right, but also hopeful. You know what I mean? And also like, and I don't mean hopeful, like, you know, like uh, unrealistic. I mean, like you can live, you can live your life like with this too. And I needed someone to tell me this sucks. This is terrible. You're going to be able to live your life. Like I just, I needed that so bad. And so I was searching. I was like, okay, like the internet's not helpful. Like I need to listen to someone. So I just started randomly like looking up podcasts to just try to see like, could I find anyone with like, who could just teach me and how I found you actually was your podcast first. And I like binge listened to like several Hmm. podcasts because I was just like, I, I need someone to explain this. And like, that's, that's how it started for me because I was like, and then I didn't, then it was like, oh wait, I could actually join a group that could like, oh my gosh. Like it just, it was exactly what I needed at the time because I was so, it's like, you gave me my binder. Do you mean like I needed, I needed that, like, so you've just been diagnosed with RA, like, you know, and like, okay, here it is, you know? And, um, oh gosh, like that, that was a turning point for me in like acceptance, I think, you know, and then knowing how to advocate, but acceptance, I think too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and that's, that's wonderful to hear. And it's such a full circle moment. I'm like feeling very surreal right now that like, you know, now you're on the podcast. Yeah, like, I know. Crazy. I know. Listening to this in your state. So I'm like, this is like inception. Like, and then that person yeah. will join and then they'll come on the podcast. Right. <laughs> I know. Well, when you said that, I was like, that was like touching to me. Cause I thought like, that's literally how I felt like that to me, like now my algorithm, like, like now I know what to look for, but like, and uh, RSD online community is not a very hopeful place. And I, it's probably one of those things where like, if I want to see change, I need to be, <laughs> but like, I just don't have capacity for that. And so like, I, I didn't even pause to consider that the online community for RA could be different or chronic illness community, like broaden it and just be yeah. like chronic pain or chronic illness could be different. And so I was like, oh, oh, oh. And so now I feel like I know what to look for if I'm continuing to look for like, has anyone ever tried this medication? Like I know how to like search that on social media. Like I know how to figure that right. at the time I didn't. And so like now my algorithm leads me to those things. But at the time it was like, I don't know, a podcast. And so I was like, oh, this is a wealth of information. So anyway, it was full circle for me too, to be like, oh, and now like, this is what got me on the right track, you know, and thankful to. Well, that's, yeah. Talk to you. I mean, one of my, yeah. And one of my motivations for creating room to thrive, I actually initially called it the rheumatoid arthritis roadmap. Those of you listening to older episodes will hear like old ads for rheumatoid arthritis roadmap. Cause I baked them into the episodes, not knowing that about dynamic ad insertion anyway. Um, but that I call it the roadmap because that's what I, I, you know, recognize people need. And now I kind of call the self-paced course, the room to thrive course is like a, the roadmap, you know, and then the group is that like social support and that a little bit of, I'm not, I'm saying this in a positive way, handholding because we need handholding. Like this mm-hmm. is too much for most people to go through on their own. We need someone to say like that. Re- and you said realist, or I wrote down realistic hope as you were talking. I don't think you actually said those words, but like, mm-hmm. that's, that's, you said hope that was not like, you know, um, 
sugar-coated or toxic positivity and stuff. And that's really what I tried to figure out. How, how can I give people hope while also acknowledging, like you said, like they're going to have days that suck. You're going to have, it's like, it's almost an elephant in the room. Sometimes like everyone wants to give people hope by saying, don't worry. We have all these tools for pain and tools for fatigue. And like, I will teach you all of the evidence-based tools for pain and fatigue. But I also will acknowledge that sometimes you are going to use every single tool in your toolbox and you will still have pain and fatigue. Like, but it's like, that's so many health providers are like, we don't want to say that. Like, don't tell that, you know, because it feels like you're going to be giving people less hope, but it's like, okay, but then can we say, no, this is the, this is reality. Right. And then can we say, can we find moments of joy, even in the moments when you still have pain? Oh, I just need you now, granted, this is like deeply embedded into my story, which is why this probably resonates so much with me, but that like, Hey, there's going to be days where you do everything you possibly can. You've done everything right. You've done everything. You've tried all the things and it's like, nope, still bad. Freeze me because I, when I first was taught how to manage pain, not RA, how to manage pain. It was in what I now know was a very toxic like environment um, and was lots of gaslighting. I didn't even know what medical gaslighting was until room to throw. Like all these, like all these, but like, I hadn't heard of those terms. I hadn't heard of like, you know, any, so like, um, or yeah, or toxic positivity. And so in that, in that environment where I was first learning how to manage pain and I was a teenager. So I was super impressionable. Like where I learned how to manage pain, I was told that this was dependent on how much I do. And I was also promised a cure, which I should never have been promised because that's not even a thing. But my point is, is that it was dependent on if I try hard enough, this will take place. And so when I got out of that environment and into a new environment, what I was taught there, I was in like a pain clinic and what I was taught there was, yeah, so you, you're not going to get a cure, but we're going to do everything we can to teach you how to manage pain safely and live your life. And I sobbed because it was like, it freed me to know that I can try as hard as I want and I'm not going to be able to do this. Like, yeah, because then it wasn't my fault anymore. You know what I mean? And so to be in environments where it's like, and some days it's just, it just sucks. Like there's this weird exhale because I can release myself from trying but maybe, okay. But maybe if I exercise a little bit more, maybe if I like, no, like just rest and like be free in like listening to your body and saying, that's what your body needs right now. And so that's only ever validating to me when people say that I know for other people, they probably be like, but just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But it's like, that's how I lived for so long. And I felt, I felt burden and trapped by that. And that it was my fault. And I use that same word burden. It feels it's an unburdening feeling to yeah. say that, like, I mean, I th- some things are simply out of our control, you know, yes. and you control everything that you, you, you know, spend your time wisely, right. Saying 
you know, you, you mentioned like, sorry, I'm like starting six different thoughts, but no, you mentioned okay. this kind of haunting, or I call it like a haunting yeah. of like, what if I, yeah, what your maybe if you did exercise more, your pain would be less, but like, you can't live your life. Oh, you have to live. You have to, at least for me if, to achieve some sense of true, like connection to the world as it is and joy and thriving. I can't let myself get wrapped up in that. Right. I can just say, all right, maybe, maybe my life would be better if I ate more broccoli, but like, I'm just going to keep going because I'm, you know, I maybe only have 40 years left on earth. I don't want to spend the whole time, like berating myself for not doing a, being a perfect patient. Cause like the goal, and this is something I've been working on. Like I have like a half-baked like idea for an Instagram reel on this, but it's like the goal of symptom control isn't controlling symptoms. It's being able to live your life, right? You control symptoms so that you can live your life. But if you think that if your whole life becomes about controlling your symptoms perfectly, then it's like the snake eating its tail, right? It's like, what's the point? The point of doing lifestyle interventions to, to again, improve your symptoms is so you can have a better quality of life. Well, what if you can have a better quality of life without your symptoms being perfectly controlled? That's just another way right. to achieve, you know, I don't know. Does that resonate at all? <laughs> no, it does because that's, that's kind of how I feel with my medical team. Like, listen, I'm not saying like that, like, I'm not trying to say like, oh, I don't hope for a cure. Of course I hope for a cure. But if I like walk around every day being like, maybe if I, if I do this formula exactly right, like, oh my word, like I, that is like enslaving me to a life I don't want to live. Like, and so like, it's like, no, 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 I'm going to do what I can. And I'm going to need you guys, medical team, like to tell me when there's something better I could be trying or doing, like you come to the table with that. Like, I'm going to keep living. Cause like right. your goal is to help me go live my life. Like, and, 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 and they tell me that all the time. You know what I mean? Like of like, you know, like guys, I have this upcoming thing for work. I really want to do it, but I'm probably going to destroy my body in the process thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know I mean? like, let's talk about it. Like what, like what, like, you know, like it's, it, this will do my heart good. Like I need to do it. Like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. so it's not negotiable, but it's like, what, is there anything else we can do to try to make me comfortable or, or help me in the come down from it? You know what I mean? And if not, okay, well, we're not going to like shake our fingers and be like, "Mm, probably shouldn't have done that. Like, because like, I can't live like that. I can't Right. like, and in the meantime, I hope that you guys are keeping up to date with research and stuff on like, Oh, what if we tried this? I mean, I got more relief in my infusions when we added lidocaine, like, you know, we hadn't always been doing that. So it's like when, like, there's always these like tweaks and adjustments to make and always hope for better for me. Like, you know, but it's Mm -hmm. like, to sit there and go like, what else could I maybe do? Like, I just, I did too much of that in the beginning and I don't, I don't want to keep living that way, you know? Yeah. And I, th- I mean, like living. yeah, I think that, um, your previous, I guess, 16 years before your RA diagnosis, maybe prepared you a little bit to be able to, um, accept a little bit of the role of randomness. Right. But I think with RA, there is this with, so I know a little bit about what I was trained in OT school as complex regional pain syndrome or now reflex sympathetic dystrophy, RSD. I know a little bit about that. And it is the thing that I think is a little different from, from RA to that is that with RA, there's this kind of carrot dangling in front of you of remission, 
like there is a possibility of remission where meaning no symptoms, you know, or low symptoms. Whereas with your other conditions, it's more like there maybe is not this. So it's not a cure, but it's like a, you can get on medicated remission or very rare cases, people do get on unmedicated remission. So I think that does complicate things in the beginning because you'll get Mm -hmm. these experiences of so-and-so went on Humira or like in my case, Enbrel and went into medicated remission for six years. And I just literally lived like a very, very quote unquote, normal 20 something life. I was swing dancing three hours a day, five days a week. I was working full time, you know, all this stuff. And there's that possibility, but there's also the possibility that could get progressively worse and you, all the medicines could fail you, you know? Well, okay. But see that, like, (laughs) I, like, I know I shared with you before, like, I thought that I wasn't going to talk in Room to Thrive, which is a big joke, of course now, but like, but what I meant by that was not that I didn't want to share, but was more that like, I think I could just sit and listen to everybody's stories and walk away being like, wow, that was so good. Like, and like, I still feel that way because especially being like, newer to it I'm like oh my gosh teach me everything you know but I remember the first time I heard someone say it could have been you but is somebody was sharing in their story <laughs> like oh yeah and then like this medicine no longer worked for me and I was like wait what oh, like this happens yeah. this thing? like like I didn't know you know what I mean like and this but this is the kind of stuff that it's like teach me teach me teach me teach me like I want to know from a human who I ideally can like learn more from and, and gain a relationship with like versus random scary article on the internet, because I know that you could do the same thing for RSD and see a hundred scary articles on the internet. Like, don't do that. Like yeah. find the safe spot. You know what I mean? So, but that was brand new information to me too. And so anything like all the autoimmune, anything, I'm like, oh, I don't understand anything in this land over here. <laughs> like Everyone's yeah. going to need to teach me how to like what does this mean? What does this look like? And I genuinely got a crash course in it when I like made this the like, okay, this is where I'm gaining. This is where I'm learning. This is where I'm going to get information. And, and, and I'm not trying to say in place of my um, medical team, or my doctor no. at all. What I, what I mean is, is that it was like, I'm not researching. I'm just focusing yeah. on this. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, and totally, I think it's so helpful. I just, you know, I've, it's like on a very, very, very basic level, like when I've talked to different medical providers, cause you know, I go to the rheumatology conferences, which are multidisciplinary. So we've got nurses, nurse practitioners, you know, different rheumatologists, different other related doctors. We have, you know, OTs, PTs. And I'm like, guys, like does not matter how amazing the rheumatologist is 20 minutes every three months what do you think the patient's going to do? Like, just be realistic for one second. Like, do you think that they're not going to go home and immediately look up on the internet? If you only give, like, it doesn't, it just is not, I think there's, there's little, and they're like, well, well, we, we don't want patients to like, just Google. Okay. Well then give them more than like, you either need to give them more than 20 minutes or not fault them for Googling because you cannot expect someone to get such a complex condition and give them like no education and support. It just, it's like, I think that they're not looking at through the lens of the patient's um, real lived experience, you know? No, I'm, I'm sure. But like, I've had to start, and I, for the record, I think my rheumatologist is great. And, but like, I, I've had to start saying to my rheumatologist, like, stop every once in a while and be like, I am still learning this. Like, I'm not like, uh, because yeah. sometimes they'll say something as if I know it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, 
all of a sudden I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, you're probably talking to who knows how many patients a day. And there's no way you're remembering who knows what thus far. You mean, so like, how would I know that? We've never talked about that before. Like, oh, yeah. So I'll have to say something like, I'm still learning this. Like, or I don't know that this is a thing. Or like, (laughs) I reached out over like, um, like a portal, you know, which I've done before for other doctors, but like, I didn't even think I was like desperate. And I was like, oh, like, let me just, let me just see if he'll answer. He answered him like so fast and yeah. so detailed. And I was like laughing, thinking myself, oh, right. Okay. So this is how you keep up with everybody because it's only 20 minute appointment. So you'll, yeah, it's fine. I can email you. Like, whereas my other doctors, it's like maybe three to five business weeks. <laughs> Do I hear I back? Know. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oh, 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 okay. Like, but I didn't know, like now I know, you know? And so I'm starting to, or the other day, you know, when I was, um, thrown out to the group, like, Hey, like, this is my situation. Like, I don't know. I've not been, I've not done this before. Does anyone, can anyone tell me does fatigue and brain fog, do they go hand in hand? Like stuff mm-hmm, like that. It's mm-hmm. like now knowing like, okay, I don't need to wait to ask the doctor. I can ask the community. I can pull the audience and say, what, yeah. what's, what's the idea here? So at least I can go in the right direction of then saying to the doctor, I think I'm experiencing this. Yep. Yep. How can I get help versus like, Hmm, what do you think it is? You know what I mean? Because there's a community now to ask. Yes. Yeah. And and you're in the, so a lot of people have been, have asked me like, okay, wait, you have this initial 12 week room to thrive, you know, support group option. And then we also have an alumni group that I don't like, um, have on the same page. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but like, um, that's, I, I don't have it on the same part of the website because it might confuse people that you have to do the initial group, kind of get that foundational knowledge. And then if you want to keep having the support group meetings every week, you join the grad, we call it the graduates. And it's been real. It's really great. Yeah. If I can make a plug though, for that though, because like I was someone and I, and I said this in our, in our, um, initial group, like as a point of feedback, like for me, like taking the plunge to join a group is scary in my opinion, or could, could be scary. Um, but some of the things that were immediately calming to me is that like having to pay into it gave me this immediate sense of relief that like, it wasn't just going to be anyone and everyone. And eh, maybe I'll show up. Maybe I won't like, and, and that's not a pressure thing to show up every time. I just mean like there was this like natural, like accountability of like what this group's going to be. The fact that you control the size of the group, like that was super helpful for me. The fact that you were going to like, um, uh, be a, what am I trying to say? Like a moderator for the group, like, you know yeah. what I mean? And guide the group, like was such a comfort to me. Cause then it was like, okay, because I'm a kind of person personality wise, like if no one is sharing in a, any kind of group, I will naturally step up to lead. And it's like, I don't want to lead. I can't lead. I, I don't have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I need to know that someone else is like, I'm holding it. I've got it. Like, you know what I mean? And so that was like, so comforting to me. And then by the end of it, like, knowing that, oh, there's this graduates group, but everyone in that group has to have gone through the material was like, oh, great. Now we're all speaking the same language. So now it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've been two weeks or two decades more, you know, whatever, like into your journey where we all have the same 
foundational language because we just did this together even if we didn't actually go in if we weren't in a cohort together right or whatever like we all have the same material that feels like oh great now we can have a conversation knowing those those things are still true like it would I think feel different if you could just bypass that and just go right to that group like I think that's super important that you have it structured that way and I would just encourage anyone that's like I'd like to get to that part like no 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 no. (laughs) like it's 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 really good to have to all be on it's it's like you all took the same class like it's not a I know it's not a class but you know what I mean like it's like we all have the same language yeah, yeah, it's like you've taken the orient. It really is like I think the orientation course, like Room to Thrive, is yes. like get grounded, understand the basics. And I do a lot of like myth busting, you know, like here's yes. the deal with diet and nutrition. Like this is yes. what the latest evidence says. And like I'm gonna help you yes. make sense. Like, why is it so overwhelming and confusing? Here's some reasons why. Like you're not doing it wrong, it's just confusing. And like yes. the data on like sleep and exercise are a lot more uniform. Like this is you know, some additional things, but the thing that really people end up saying, like they come to the course, like wanting, like the tool, the, the pain manage the pain relief and the, and the, um, you know, basically understanding their condition, better understanding how to advocate, but the sections that are on, um, the, the sections that are on relationships and social support, um, inner world coping acceptance, and then on values, like connecting to your values, what values, do you have, and what, what do you value in the world? Is it giving back? Is it nature and environmentalism? Is it this or, you know, and it's interesting. I just had the first person who said like, they really were like, that was my favorite part. And I was really happy to hear that anyway, because, um, about a lot of times people are surprised that the relationship section and the social, you know, under it's really, honestly, we need social skills training for how to be in the social world as someone with a chronic illness, because we're going to get all these weird comments and friendship complexities. And I know that you have been lovely uh, and open enough to share that in the group at times of, you know, um, a lot of people struggle to get friends and family or quote unquote, I'm struggling to get people to believe me or get people to understand I'm saying quote unquote, because I don't like to see it that way. Cause it's not, you can't make someone understand anything. You can just provide them information and they have to decide whether they're going to understand it or not, you know, but do you want to, sorry, that was a lot, but do you want to know about that? (laughs) Yeah. I think that like, just like I, like what's so bizarre is that is that so like 18 years ago, right? Like pain started and I did this once before. And so like socially, and I was like, like in a totally different social dynamic at that point, but like to, I would say of my friends, not my family, my friends, like most of them have only known me with pain, but they all know me with like, I'm basically coming at you, like educating you. Like, so just so you know, this is what's going on. This is why I can and can't do certain things and whatever. And, and they're not like, I would say overly distracted by my pain, but they, they understand because I can calmly educate you. Um, if my friends who were my friends before I had the RSC, like they remember how, just steer in a headlights I was until I got to this point you know and so now going through this with even friends who've known me with pain but don't know me with RA like are like 
I don't understand. You've been living with pain the whole time. Like, what's the problem? And not, not in a, um, they're not being unkind. Like they just like, they literally don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, but you're always in pain. And it's like, right. But I don't understand either. Like I'm learning. I'm not at the point yet. I always say like, there's this weird fantasy I have in my brain of like, I wish I could just like hide in a closet, figure this all out, come out and be like, okay, here's the plan. Here's what, here's what's happening. Here's what's this. Like, don't look at me until I've figured this out. I'm going to figure it out. Do you mean? And then I'm going to explain that. I'm going to educate you and I'm going to explain it's no big deal. And it's like, mm-mm. like, it's the most awkward thing now to, for me to do this essentially all over again, but as a professional and as a friend and as an established to be like, here, watch me like, um, be like clunky as I figure out how to like walk this way now, like in my relationships, in my, in my, you know, professional life, in my, you know, because I'm going to make so many mistakes and I'm going to overdo it and I'm going to do that. And you're, and you're going to have to watch that. And in the, on the flip, it's like, they're like, I don't even know what to ask you. I don't even know. Like, do you want to talk about it? Like, I don't even know what's going on because they don't understand either because I'm not educating. And so it's, it's been really fascinating to me to see like how often I fall short on words of what to say, but I'm like, I'm lonely. I need help. I feel scared. I'm overwhelmed. But if I open my mouth, am I just going to, am I just going to be sharing things that are too sad to hear? Like, how are my friends going to respond? Am I going to lose all my friends? Like all of these things like come rushing to my, to my brain and, um, you know, what's going to happen if like, I, I can't socially like, keep up anymore, even the way I was living, you know, because I haven't gotten figured this part out yet. Like I haven't figured out how to manage my energy different. And I haven't figured out, like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and to see who's keeping up with that and who's like, can't even look at me is, is really painful. And, and that is something that I think has been so helpful in this group because I vulnerably said that a couple months ago, I think actually one of the first times in like the graduates group and like, not, not without a gentle tone, like someone did say like, no, that's a thing. <laughs> like, like almost like, you just, you know what, like in, in some ways you're better off sharing some of these pieces here, you know what I mean? And and not even trying here. And, and, it, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't without being gentle about it, but it was like, okay. Yeah. Like some of this is just too tricky to explain. And um, mm. so, so I'm still navigating. I think that socially, but family wise, like my family has been very supportive. What's been really, really hard for me is, is that I currently can't live independently and I was living independently. And so that was like kind of heartbreaking for me because I'm like, okay, I have still not gotten this under uh, control enough to be able to feel confident about how to do certain things. Like I just need a lot of help right now. Um, and so I have but, a very but supportive a lot of- family. That's but a lot that's, of pressure to put on yourself. I haven't gotten this under control. 
Do you yeah, see, um, you know what I mean? I do see that. Yeah. I think that's a lot of unlearning and relearning I'm still working on yeah. right now. Sorry, too. I don't mean to be like, but I just no, it's okay. pointing that out to be like, the language we use is so important, right? Because I think, and you obviously strike me as like, shouldn't say obviously, you strike me as like a very an intellectual person, right? And I think intellectual people have a really hard time with chronic illness a lot of times because we're used to like solving the problem or like what my therapist would say, like you're a really good problem solver, which is great for solvable problems. Not all of your problems are solvable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's but that fuck. Sorry. Yeah. No, word. yes. No, no. Yeah. I <laughs> know you're right. It, it is. And I think, and I think like, but like you just pointing that out right now, like that falls in the category to me of things that I never even paused to consider until I joined this community. And it's been the most helpful and sometimes like extremely eye-opening to be like, Oh, you know, and sometimes it's, sometimes it's just good language for me. And like, sometimes of like, Oh, this is what I'm doing, or this is why, or where did that come from? You know what? I think I was taught that or, or whatever, whatever that, you know, happens in my brain in those like 30 seconds when I hear it, but it also is like, yeah, but the thing is, is that I think that I so badly again, want that binder that says like, Hey, when you reach month, whatever, when you reach year, this, like, then you will plateau and you'll be fine. Did it? And and no one can give that to me because it doesn't exist, but that's what I want. You know what I mean? Like, oh and so God. it's like, yeah. someone yeah. tell me that like, listen, you know, like, and I don't want to be told, well, you never know what the future, stop it. Like, I don't want to be told someday that like, just like, I, I've had to let dreams that I have for my life be laid down for a while. And for a while I thought they were like dead. And then I was like, no, they can't be dead. Like, but they definitely are laid down, you know, because like right now I can't chase after them. And that's not to say that I can't pick them up along the way or have new dreams. Like, it's just that it's been like, that's been really hard and a new layer of grief for me because I am so much more limited than I've, than I have been before. And I, and I'm learning how to live this way. And I'm learning to be gentle with myself and I'm not good at it yet. I'm not like being gentle with myself is very, very (laughs) hard. But even just the idea of saying, I'm not good at being gentle is like a ungentle thought towards yourself. No, but no, but I actually, I actually stand by, I stand by that one though, because like, what I mean is, is that like, it is tempting to me to go back to this roots of, of where my, where my pain management skills were initially taught to me of like bulldoze past it don't trust your body. Don't like your body's just going to constantly be in pain. Just keep moving. Like, and, and like, I'm like, yes, we'll do it. Like, got it. You know? And now it's like, be gentle, be gentle, be gentle. Like, and like, yeah, I see what you're like, saying. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And like, when I say I'm not good at it yet, I'm not actually being up with myself. I'm, I'm acknowledging like, no, I've got work to do yeah. to be gentle with myself. And that's not like a work harder at being gentle. It's like, no, it's like surrender. What can't you're not in control of and, 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 and learn like, again, going back to what doctor said about like staying in your body, like learn to like, like stay present in your body and not hate it. 
like you know what I mean like hate the no. disease not the body and like it's like I didn't even think I was I didn't even think I was hating my body but it's like oh yeah no I do you know and I and I don't think it but like I ignore it a lot or I bulldoze huh. past things a lot and I, and again I think I was taught that and I'm not trying to um you know push ownership on any on any one person I'm just saying like I don't think that I was taught some of these crucial tools that if I had in the beginning, I, I I think that I'd be a little bit more grounded in understanding why that's so important versus like thinking it's like being delicate or something. And it's like, no, it's like so important. I think. Yeah. I mean, so like I was literally thinking as you're saying this, and then you just led me perfectly to it, which is the nature of chronic pain. That's a result of a misfiring in your nervous system. That's what RSD is. RA is chronic pain that is from an actual ongoing real quote unquote disease process. Do you know what I mean? So you're having, so you're having two different kinds of root causes of, of the pain. And one of them, the appropriate, some of the appropriate tools for, um, like, I'm having brain fog with the phrase central sensitization, which is the process of like where a smaller stimulus evokes a too big response of pain, right? Is you do have to bulldoze and push your body to recognize that, oh, actually that this is my brain is misfiring right now. And that's not really a threat versus the RA. You actually do have to listen to your body. So you're, those are like two different, like a patient that just has RA is going to be taught strategy X and somebody who just has RSD is going to be taught strategy Y and you are in the middle here having to do, they're like opposite. Do you know what I'm saying? Like one of them's like eat more fruit. Another one's like, don't eat fruit. Like these, you have, you're in one body that has to reconcile these different, um, different styles of managing. I mean, I would be extremely confused in, in your case. <laughs> so it's not, yeah. it's not simple. And I think, yeah, if I've had that same thing too, when friends are like, what well, you, didn't you already figure this out? Did, sorry, going back to what you said earlier, didn't you already, you already figured out pain. You're already living in pain. I'm like, right. But this is a yeah. new kind of pain. Like- and no one's like, no one's being unkind. It's just that like, it's, I can just tell it's confusing. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, there's not enough of a vocabulary to explain the difference that I'm familiar enough with and they're familiar right. enough with. And so it's just like, yeah, but you were in pain 16 years ago, 18 years ago, five years ago, five minutes ago. Like, what do you, what, like, uh-huh. Like, and it's getting worse, but it's always been getting worse. Like, no, 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 wow. it's new. new pain. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't, if you don't know how, if you don't know what living in pain was like, period, like that's confusing. So like, I, I, in a lot of respects, I have a lot of grace for that, but it's, it's, it's hard and it's tender to walk through going like, I'm learning how much of a control freak I didn't mm-hmm. even realize I was by like how much I, I think I shield myself from fear of disappointment that it's like, let me just, here's all the things that you can say. Here's all the things you can do. Here's mm-hmm. all the things so so that, so that I don't feel hurt or abandoned in mean in the process. And it's like, I got none of that. And you're on your own. And like, can you come up with that on your own? I don't know. Maybe. And, 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 and some are, and so many are 
I think trying, you know, and it's like, it's just like, it's just no one, like I, you know, I said to a really good friend the other day, like, she's like, I don't know what to do, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm like, neither do I, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and neither am I, you know, like, you know, and I appreciate it. Like, but it's like, yeah, I don't want to lose myself in the process, but right now it's like, it's much easier to talk about you than it is about me, you know, because mm-hmm. if we talk about me, it's like, I don't have anything good to say at the moment. And it's not because it's, it's, it's not because there's nothing else to my life, but at the exact moment, this is the biggest thing going on in my life, you know? And so, and, 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 and work is um, like not always an easy topic to talk about. So it's like, if there's, and if I'm using all of my leftover energy um, after work on relationships, it's like, well, then that's where, like, then there's nothing else to talk about because now I'm talking about you and your, you know what I mean? Like I've got nothing else to, to pull from. Um, and that's why I mean by clunky. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just like learning how to do this and wishing it would be faster, wishing that the whole thing would be faster, you know, to get to mm-hmm. a point of feeling like, Oh, okay. You know, but I can look back and say, gosh, I've learned so much in the last two years that I'm confident that, you know, like I'll keep learning, you know, but it, and I have a personal point of reference of like, wait, I literally did this before when I was diagnosed with the RSD. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and so I know I eventually got to a point uh, where I wasn't yeah. like floundering, you know what I mean? But it's like, I still feel like I'm not cruising, you know? And so, yeah, it's like, um, uh, I am a work in progress is one of my little self-compassionate mantras I repeat to myself, yeah. like, cause I, I feel the same pressure as you are, or not pr- even pressure from the outside pressure internally to figure things out to just, you know, and I've, I've shared this in the group before, but a lot of times I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm, you're the person who like, quote unquote, wrote the book about this or created the course, like room to thrive. And you tell people every, you know, every mm-hmm. month you're talking about this. Why can't you just freaking do it? Like you can't do it yourself, but you're telling other people to do it. Like, are you a hypocrite? Like we have all these, like, you know, I, I like to imagine like the inner coach and I teach this in the room to thrive part on like coping skills. There's the inner coach and the inner critic, right? So the shoulder angels, like the inner shoulder angel, who's like, good job. You can do it. And the inner critic, which is like, you suck, you know, and, and the shoulder angel has to just sometimes say like, you're a work in progress. Like, no, you're not complete. You're not perfect. You know, but, um, like, sorry, I don't, I, this, this, when you said the word floundering, that really hit with me. Cause I felt that way many times too, like, you know, and who wouldn't be floundering. It's like, who's, is there someone out there who like has a gold star for like coping the best, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. But if I can, if I can encourage you like that, when you, when you feel that way and you admit it publicly, like you like, again, free that those people with the narrative of like needing to arrive, right? Like, it's like, it's like, I need someone ahead of me, just like I need someone ahead of me saying, like, you you can do everything you can and you're still going to have these days. It's like, I also need someone to be like, yeah, I've been doing this for X amount of years and I still struggle with X. Like, oh my gosh, okay, thank you. Like, like, it's freeing because it's like, I there's no 
and you have arrived and now you've mastered our like, no, this is life, you know? And, and so when yeah. people pretend that they have arrived, it's so off-putting to me. Like I look for yeah. people who are real people. Like I, I hope that you can hold hope. I hope that you can, you know, help, you know, look back and, and share lessons learned that like, okay, I learned this the hard way, you know, but I also hope that people ahead of me can be like, no, like yet, yet again, I'm still making this, I'm still forgetting this, or I'm still doing this or whatever, you know, like, thanks for being human. Thanks for showing your humanity. You know, I, that has been one of the most surprising things to me personally about running the groups and being just like a public ish figure in in the niche of arthritis. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I definitely like, if you asked me in 2019, when I first started arthritis life and then 2020, when I started the groups, uh, and the programs, I was like, I need to wait, I need to wait until I figured everything out. And then I'm going to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to wait till I can write the manual. I'm going to, yeah. you know, the manual that actually, like you said, has an end point that says you're done. Like you figured mm-hmm. it out. And yeah. I was like, people don't want the, tr- they don't no. want the truth. But again, but actually I didn't all, also, I didn't accept the truth e- fully, even until I started really till I, you know, through lots of therapy and through just doing my own internal work and, and research and realizing, wait, what if we're that the false premise is that we have to figure it out it being like perfect symptom control, perfect health. Like there's never been a time in human history, like anthropologically speaking, historically that humans have like, it's been the norm to just totally be healthy all the time. There's no culture where people like this disease is part of life. It's just the nature of things, right? Like people die in childbirth. Like, yes, we've made advances, but like, we're nowhere near like, as long as we still are in a state of imperfect knowledge of the human body and how to cure illnesses, like they are going to, there's going to be shitty days. There's going to be people who did all the right treatments. And then, you know, um, you know, I just was reading that I mentioned this on another podcast, but I was reading, um, the memoir crying in H Mart and the girls, um, spoiler alert, if you're going to read it, but it says that some, a bunch of places that her, her mom dies and her dad doesn't at the point I'm reading. And it's like, her mom took perfect care of her health was really, really active. And, you know, her dad like did a bunch of drugs and not to say that people who do drugs should die, but like, you know, like logically you're like one person took care of their body and one person didn't. And then the one that took care of their body died. Another one didn't. And like, that's just how life is like, Mm -hmm. and the more we try to run away from that, um, it's again, that what, what you hold holds, you know, well, it's threatening to people. And that's how it relates to the social, social life, family and friends. People don't want they think they, it's such a cognitive dissonance to have to face the fact that there's so much randomness of he- in health that people would rather say, no, Katie's just not doing it right. Like there must be something more, like there must be something she could be doing like other, rather than saying shit, like this could happen to anyone. Like Katie's trying her best and like going to the best doctors and has a great team. And they are at a point where this is the best they can do. And, and what I wish like Cheryl, like for myself, and I'm, I'm truly not trying to be hard on myself, but like, I wish that I could embrace that and believe that personally too, like that gentle, like that, like I am doing everything I can. Like the doctors, like, I trust these doctors. Like, this is like, if I could just pour gentleness over myself and 
hold it and believe it and keep it like I would like because sometimes I think that my mind is just very clever in how it plays tricks on me still to believe that like okay I'm going to posture myself and present myself this way but in my brain I'm going I'm not relaxing into that and being gentle like and I'm not trying to be hard on myself I'm just saying it's like that perspective of like you know like letting like people see your humanity and also being like whoa like that could be me or that could be that you know what I mean like this is like and look at that like I never assume that's what people think when they see me and what's so hypocritical is that's probably what I would think if I was looking at someone who was suffering like but like for for me it's like oh surely like it's like it's 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 that like oh I guess I haven't learned that yet I'm still working on that like I'm still working to just yeah so are you saying you're more are you saying you're more gentle with others than yourself oh okay yeah sorry just to make sure goodness yes and I'm just saying that like I if like I have bought in to the fact that I I want gentle for myself I want to be gentle towards myself what I'm saying is I have yet to figure out how to have gentleness up close and keep it like I'm like okay like you know I mean like it's just like it's very like I can keep it for a second but like it's not natural for me you know what I mean like so like I want that for myself though like I want to I it sounds very it sounds more freeing than the way I'm living right now um well, but and acknowledging that's the, done. Yeah. Acknowledging yeah. that is of the first step though. Even acknowledging that gentleness mm-hmm. can be a good thing. Like we're raised oh, with all yeah. these toxic messages, just push through, be a mm-hmm. warrior, fight against mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to, yeah, I think I don't really talk about self-compassion, like as a true practice as much as I should, because that's me being hard on myself, but I, I really want to draw attention to Dr. Kristen Neff's work. Cause that is, a, and you know, that along with acceptance and commitment therapy, which I talk about like every five seconds on this podcast, um, has self-compassion work, uh, for dog, Dr. Kristen Neff, um, has really helped me give permission to, um, to, or just validated to me, the importance of being gentle, you know, mm-hmm. with myself and, being raised by, you know, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> no, but that's what I watched a lot. Yeah, as great, you know, yeah. I am special. You are special. You know, I was in this <laughs> 1980s generation of like, you're special. You get, everyone gets a trophy. I'm like, some of that's good. Sometimes it's like, yeah, like, I mean, I'm an athlete. So I'm also like, yeah, no, like you want to like first place means something. Second place means yeah. something on their hand, but also like participating means something. Participating trophies are great because it means you fucking got out there and you tried. You know, like, and that's amazing. And you, you know, and so anyway, sorry, well, side note, but Kristen, for anyone listening who struggles with self-compassion, she literally defines self-compassion is I'm on her website right now. Sorry. With, you know, me from the groups, I, I'm (laughs) always have the tabs open, um, with self-compassion, we give ourselves the same kindness and care we would give to a good friend. And I find it way easier to be gentle and compassionate to others than myself too. That's why I was, I just wanted to make sure I was understanding what you were saying because that's totally and that's actually why the power of groups right the group dynamics are such that we all I think most people unless they're maybe I don't know a lot of people have an easier time I'm not even going to speculate um a lot of people with chronic illnesses in the online communities you know that I've been part of find it easier it's like whoa wait a minute like I can point out that you're being too hard on yourself and then you can point out that I'm being too hard on myself and then you know 
Um, yeah, the other week, oh my God, I was on the phone back and forth and back and forth with Walgreens. I was like, when am I going to learn? Like, you know, not give myself any credit for the many times that I did manage my medications, you know, quote unquote, correctly and on time. Yeah. I messed up. I didn't get the ref. I, I ignored all the reminders about the refill and then my doctor moved and then I had to, blah, blah, blah. I knew mm-hmm. I should have known. It's like the Taylor Swift and dear John, I should have known, you know, yeah. like should have known. Okay. Well, yeah, you should know. But like, am I going to go to my grave, berating myself the rest of my life? I don't think, I hope, I hope not, but, but anyway, sorry. But, um, what was the thing I was going to ask? Oh, you've mentioned your professional life a couple of times, just cause I'm thinking people might be curious. What kind of work do you do? If you don't mind sharing. No, it's fine. I don't even know. If, do you know this? Um, I am a children's pastor. Oh my gosh. Well, if this is why I would say, I don't know if I had known that because my memory is very porous. <laughs> no, you I doubt, I doubt you did is what I'm, yeah. is what I'm saying is I don't know that I've ever shared it. So yeah. that's amazing. That's, mm-hmm. that is Mm-hmm. I mean, so I'm sure you have so, all the passion in the world for the, for the children. It's like, treat yourself like the child, right? That's <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? Like I work with children, but I actually work mostly with adults. Um, I, and I, um, am passionate about, um, people who, uh, walking people through crises. Mm-hmm. So, um, usually like, you know, I, you know, spend a lot of time in children's hospitals with, um, families and, um, also, uh, am contracted into a grief center for, um, children and families who have experienced the death of a loved one. And so, um, passionate about helping to hold space for people in the middle of their hardest moments, um, which is one of the reasons why I got into the line of work that I did, but, um, it's a lot of adults too. You know what I mean? It's, 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 yeah. it's kids, but it's, it's a lot of adults, you know, but, um, embracing some of those big feelings is something that I teach, you know, like, so right. to, to do it, you know, personally is like, it's why it's always in the forefront of my mind because it's like a personal conviction in a way, you know, of like, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, um, model that as well, but it is, hard than it, it and, and it's part of why it's clunky you know what I mean is that like in order to continue to showing up for people you know what I mean that means that I'm not going to go hide in a closet until it's all you know like in a better <laughs> spot and come out it's like no I'm going to show up today and you might be getting a really bizarre version of myself today and I wish you didn't have to see it you know but this is where I'm at today and I'm still learning to be okay with that you know what I mean like people are gracious with me I'm still learning to be okay with that um because two and a half years ago it was different you know oh man the old yeah comparing your current self to your older previous self is a very dangerous comparison game Mm -hmm. to, to make um but, you know, I think I'm going to just, I don't know if this is the case and you've never said anything like this, but I know people who've worked in like high, what we call like high acuity settings, high emotional acuity settings, like the emergency room or in your case, you know, children mm-hmm. and adults in grief. A lot of mm-hmm. times if they get diagnosed with a chronic illness, they will say, well, why am I this upset? It's not like blank. It's not like my mom died. It's not like someone died. It's, I don't know if you've ever played that comparison Olympics, but just for anyone listening. Okay. So you're saying no, for those of you listening, mm-hmm. that's good. But, and so I just, I just want to acknowledge that I really, really discourage, yeah. Encourage people you not know, to play the suffering Olympics. I, I actually will 
spin that around and say, what I actually hear more is when people know, and I don't share, uh, I I'm careful about where I share and what I share pain wise with, with in my professional life, but, um, because of what I do, but, uh, it's actually more common that people go, I don't want to share this because it's not like I'm suffering every day. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, that to me is like, let's, let's stop that immediately because there's no like comparing in general is just ugly. Like, let's just not, let's just stop, you know I mean? Yeah. Like, so like, even if we both have the exact same lineup of diagnoses, like, I'm not gonna, like, I can say that I understand daily suffering, but I'm not going to try to pretend that I know what your body feels like, like, you know, like right. that's, right. So I would encourage anybody listening to have the same mindset of like, no, no, no. Like, it's not, it's not a, well, it could be worse. Like, stop it. Like, stop it. Like that is that, that never helps anyone feel better in my, in my experience. I've never had anyone go, good point. Like, no, like it's, it's not helpful. It's, it it, it might, it might feel true, but it's, it's not helpful. Like, so Mm -hmm. like, let your, let what you're going through you know, validate like that, that is a lot. And any, any amount of pain or suffering, no matter what kind it is, is too much. It's too much, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and it doesn't really matter if the person to the left or right of you seems to be going through something harder or easier than you. It doesn't really matter. No, like, it what, doesn't. What, you know, I know that took me a long time. Cause that, I mean, that was the reason <clears throat> I've spoken about this, but probably not for a while that I didn't go to therapy for a long time. Cause I was like, well, other people have it worse. Like, and it's true to acknowledge that I've had a very, I've had, emo, I would say emotional privilege, if that even makes sense, but it, it kind of does right with what we know about how trauma affects the developing brain. I had a very, very happy childhood, no trauma to speak of safe, hundred percent sure of my safety at all times except for the seventh grade unit on earthquakes, which was like the big earthquake is coming to Seattle soon. And I would hyper fixated on that. And I've, my therapist like, that might have been an early sign of your anxiety disorder. But anyway, um, norm, normally in my everyday childhood, especially like, you know, the birth to five really important years, I had really, really solid, solid attachment, solid relationships. And I just thought, well, I just have this one thing wrong in my life, which is my health, but like everything else is good. So like, why should I go to therapy? I don't, other people have it so much worse. And it's like, that's the worst way of thinking. Right. And on the one hand, it's like, I will be the first to admit when my therapist, the first one, Amber, who I went to for a number of years after Charlie was born, I finally, that's when I finally did it when Charlie was born. Um, because there's so much awareness about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety that I was like, okay, well, it wasn't an, like, I wasn't, it wasn't bad enough that I had RA it was, but it's bad enough that I, that, cause I, now that I'm feeling postpartum, like weirdness, I didn't really like to call it depression. Cause it didn't feel like what I, my conception of depression was at the time, which was like sadness. I wasn't sad. I was just irritable and angry and anxious all the time. Um, so anyway, I went to therapy and when she validated, how much I'd gone through with my health. On the one hand, I needed that external validation to, on the, but on the other hand, I, through time have learned that I don't even actually, I don't need it anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? You need it initially mm-hmm. to get you over that hump that, okay. Mm-hmm. Like the first time she was like, that's a lot. I was like, oh my God, this trained third party person said, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That was like pivoting point in my life where I was like, finally let, let myself believe it was a lot. 
you know? Yeah. Forget what the original point of this was, but, <laughs> oh yeah. That a lot of people say, oh, well, yeah, it's not like X happened. It's not like why. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It always could be worse. It always could be worse. You're alive. You know, it always could be worse. You could be being tortured right now, but that doesn't mean that you're only supposed to be happy every second. I just don't believe that that helps literally anyone in this scenario. <laughs> it doesn't help the person. It doesn't help the person who experienced whatever you're saying w- would be worse. And it doesn't help you. Like I, I, yeah. I, I've not, I've not had experience where someone is like finding anything but guilt that then they were feeling upset in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, no, yeah. no, no. Like it's not helpful. You know? Like, I know. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say it's bad. I'm not trying to make a, a, a blanket statement, but it's just like, in my experience, that doesn't, that does not help. It doesn't help yeah. the person who's suffering differently feel like, thanks for acknowledging that. And that made me feel better. I mean, right, I don't want to, right. you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like tough, suffering is hard and deserve space to be heard, you know, and, and held by others, like no matter what it, no matter what it is and no matter how much it is. And yeah. no matter whether the person to your left or right is seemingly holding more or less than you, like it, it deserves, it deserves to be spoken. I, I really like that something that, um, John Green wrote, which is pain deserves to be felt. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, or sorry, t- sorry, d- pain demands to be felt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Not deserves. So I was like, so the D word. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what it is. Um, I, I'm, I want to ask you one more question before we go sure. to the rapid fire. Just sure. to be mindful. I found out that my son's last day of school today. I knew it was a half day, but normally half days end a little later. It's like a, it's like a super half day. It's a two hour day. So oh. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but no, but, and I, you've graciously yeah. let me know that you had a little extra time, but, um, like I am curious, you know, overall, I think coping with chronic pain, whether it's a chronic disease that's like a active inflammation disease like RA or whether it's from C, you know, complex regional pain or RSD, um, is, is just, it's a lot to cope with. Like, are there any other tools that have helped or strategies or frameworks that have helped you, you know, that we haven't talked about so far? Just, I'm literally just curious with, 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 co- with coping just with me. Yeah. With the coping, with the emotion, like, I don't know. I get, when I've had more severe pain, I get claustrophobic or clytrophobic. Like I feel trapped in my body and that's such an uncomfortable, I don't know if there's anything like that. And you know, I had done like breathing yeah. exercises, just as an example, like, is there something that we didn't talk about? Or, yeah. I just um, opened a huge can of worms at the very end. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. It's okay. Um, big into therapy. Um, um, uh, so therapy is big for me. Um, I, uh, learned different breathing strategies that I thought were bogus when I was taught them and now rely on them daily. Okay. Um, I, uh, also felt the same way about any sort of meditation, thought it was bogus. Now big, big fan use that regularly. I think that in the beginning I was so like, nothing will work. And it's like, yeah, just like, like, give it a second, like give it, give it, give it a chance to just like help Mm. calm myself down. Um, you know, um, I am learning right now when to, um, distract 
and when to pay attention. Like that's, that's still brand, brand new for me. Um, but um, when distractions are needed, you know, a lot of times that's um, music or TV or, or books. Um, but um, sometimes I don't need, like, sometimes I don't want a distraction. You know, sometimes I just want to just feel calmer. So different yeah. types of music sometimes. And my faith is a big part of my, you know, um, life. So that's, that's something that would be coping for me as well. Um, and then I think that like, just the social of like, knowing that sometimes I need to just talk to somebody who understands chronic pain. So like I have one RSD friend who I'm really grateful for. And, you know, anytime I need to to just vent, you know what I mean? To someone who is going to get it, it's there, you know, or the room to thrive graduate group would be the same for the RA, you know, of just yeah. like, like, okay. Like knowing that sometimes like, I just need someone to hear it, to hold it and to be like, yeah, like that's, mm-hmm, that that's sucks. Valid. Yeah. That <laughs> you sucks. Know? And, and, you know, like, that's it, you know, and that, that, and that's okay. And again, I can't, I know it's rare. And so I, I, I never want to take it for granted, but I am very grateful for my medical team. You know, I really, a lot of support from them. So, um, no, no, that's, I think that's so hopeful for people to hear because we do, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, you know, there's just a lot of people that don't, that, that don't feel adequately heard or supported by their medical team. So it's really important to give voice to the, the positive stories like yours. Yes, it is not, it did not start there. It took a while to get there. I say the same thing about counseling. Like, like, just don't give up on assuming that it can't get better. Like, no, like there's a better fit for you. You know what I mean? Like, and what's a good fit for someone's not going to be a good fit for everyone, you know? And so I mm-hmm. am really grateful that I didn't settle and that I'm with the people that I'm with now. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I hope everyone takes up those words to heart because it can be, there is an inertia that I feel when getting a second opinion. I'm just like, like you're talking about earlier. I don't want to add one more person. I don't want to have to explain so everything again. It yeah. was so funny. I, I just went to a cardiologist for the first time a couple of weeks ago. And okay. um, <laughs> sorry, then I'm going to go to the, the rapid fire question. He was fine. But um, it was like the first that he came in the room was like, so what brings you here today? And like, I was a little, for some reason I was taken aback by that. Or he said, the way he asked, it was very broad. Like what's, what's, you know, bothering you or something like that. And I was like, I didn't want to be rude, but I was like, well, I've literally like filled out all this extensive paperwork and like literally (laughs) just told the medical assistant, like, right. So I'm like, I'm like, I want to make the best use of my time and his time. So I just kind of said like, what, what have you read about me? Or do you know, like, I tried to say it in a nice way. Like, I don't want to put pressure on him to be like, did you just like walk in here without looking at my chart? Even though I kind of suspected that he probably did, which cause most specialists don't have embedded time in their schedules to look at people's charts and everything. And he, to his credit, he just, without missing a beat, he's like, I haven't looked at anything. (laughs) He was like, yeah, I just start from the beginning. And so I'm like, okay, I have rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, that's, it is what it is, but the point being, um, oh my God, what is the point? Sorry. My brain is going in so many directions. The point of, um, I don't know what the point was. I, I think that like, too, like, I, yeah, I've, I've had doctors be like, how's your pain? What pain? Which pain? Where? What, like, how which long? Pain? What kind? What yeah. do you, what do you be more specific? And it's like, I don't, they don't care about the, like, they just care about the, like, they must okay. want to put it like, 
I need to fill out my chart. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. No, I'm not bashing that doctor at all. Again, I think the my I was actually relieved yeah. that he was honest and just said like yes, I yes. just and I actually heard him. He was interviewing someone for a job. I could hear him in the room before when the medical assistant. So I could kind of guesstimated that he hadn't in, he hadn't read anything at time. Um, yeah. and and he was great. He listened really well and got me on on a plan. So um, but for some reason I felt compelled to share that. Okay. But <laughs> I just wrote supportive medical team in my notes and then decided to share that story. Okay. Um, so for the rapid fire questions, which yes. each one we could talk about for hours, but, um, do you have any just words of, you've already shared so many words of wisdom, but for particularly for newly diagnosed patients, what would you mm-hmm. say to them? <laughs> mm-hmm. I would say that first of all, I'm so sorry. And I would say that it is too much to hold this all by yourself. And so um, whoever your safe people are or finding a safe community, you know, and trying, you know, don't, don't try to do this on, as an island. And to steal, which I just am a big Kate Bowler fan and Kate Bowler said, you know, um, and I don't know if she originated this or not, but her big thing is like, you are not the bad thing. And I love that so much. You are not the bad thing. You know, there, there is, this is a bad thing. You are not it. Um, and I think sometimes when it feels closely attached to you, it feels right. very confusing to not try to think maybe I am the bad thing. Cause look at what this is doing to the people I love and to me, but it's not mm-hmm. you. You're not the bad thing. I love that. I just finished her book, um, which I forgot the title of, which I will put in the chat. Uh, uh, no cure yeah. for being human. No, no cure human. for being human. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's a she's a treasure, and she does a lot of those. She does has a lot of real like truth bombs, but like still yeah. hope. Um, yes. Do you have totally on a different topic? Do you have a favorite arthritis gadget? <laughs> Okay. So this is not specific arthritis, but it has helped my arthritis. One is, um, those slip on sneakers, the Kizik's game changer for me. Love them. Also hand massagers, things like, like big thing for me. And this is really random because this is not even a tool, but this is a strategy. is, um, washing my hair is really, really hard for me. And, um, so I get my hair blown out once a week and it has been such a good life choice for me. It was an investment, but it has saved me so much energy. And I do emails while someone else washes and dries my hair. It's, it's like my best life. That is amazing. I've never thought Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. And doing your hair is very, can be very painful. Yes. Yes. And so I plan, I plan it around like my busiest work day or meetings or whatever, or, and I get my hair blown out and I literally spend that whole time working at the same time. So it's, it's my best life hack. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. We need to share a video on this. This is amazing. (laughs) Um, do you have a favorite book movie or show you've been loving recently? (laughs) Yeah. Like I love Abbott elementary and (sighs) that's been, like I just keep so good. rewatching the same three seasons. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. I, when we were in, yeah. we went to mm-hmm. Disneyland and, and um, Universal Studios in uh, February. And I got to see the set, the actual set. Oh, fun! So cool. Fun. Yeah, yeah. They weren't filming at the time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite mantra or inspirational saying? Mm. I 
you've heard me say multiple times doing my best I'm doing my best yeah borrowing Kate Bowler's you are not the bad thing yeah and then also trying to say and instead of but when I'm making comments about how I'm feeling like and I recognizing how much I usually am like this is hard but it's like no this is hard and I'm grateful for whatever or whatever the situation might be but trying Mm -hmm. to say and more and holding both at the same time that you know what literally I have to say this that that um do you listen to dear Hank and John the podcast with John Green and Hank Green. No, um, no. So Hank, these are their two brothers. Um, okay. And they, sorry, I'm, I was about to go into their spiel. Yeah, yeah. Before the podcast, but um, they are both writers, and they were the okay. vlog brothers. So they have like millions of followers on YouTube, and so they're one of the first like YouTubers, and they're both the nicest, most grounded people. They're I think about in their forties, and Hank just got diagnosed with lymphoma, and so mm-hmm. and they they were talking about it on the podcast. And, and John was saying the exact thing you were just saying about, like, he keeps wanting to be, or Hank was saying the same thing. Like, he wanted to be like, well, but I have cancer, but it's one of the most treatable cancers, but, and they even, they had acknowledged that. And they were like, I'm trying to not do that. And then like later on the podcast, John started a sentence and he's like, I really want to say, but like, I really, it's so hard. Not to I, I've had to like, my friends now know, like, I will pause yeah, after yeah. The, the hard sentence thing and let it yep. sit there. And then I'll say, and, and this, you know, whatever, yes. like, you yeah. know, like, and, and to try to not gloss over it, you know, it's like a, a yep. discipline practice for me now. So. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. And what is something that's bringing you joy right now? Other than Evan elementary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, always the answer is always these uh, days. My nieces and nephew, I hi. am obsessed with those little people in my life. They are the best little joy bringers. Being so. an aunt is the best job. The best. <laughs> it's the, the best. I got to, I and my nieces that live in New York are about to come next week. I can't wait to spoil them. Yes, <laughs> my other the best. niece and nephew who live in DC are coming in August. So yeah, I love it. And last one, what does it mean to you to live a good life and thrive with rheumatic disease slash migraine slash RSD? <laughs> I'm adding that for you. Use, using that and as like a life grounded thing, you know, like this is hard and I want to laugh and I want to make memories that I can look back and say, yep, I was in pain and I showed up, I lived, I I was there, you know? And so like embracing that and not putting life on hold with the illusion of when I'm in a better spot, then I'll go live, you know, but this is really hard. This is a hard season. And, and I want to show up to it and and experience life. I'm having a moment of like, where, you know, that famous it's, it depends on what the meaning of is, is, Mm. I don't know if you're old enough to Mm. know that reference, but um, (laughs) it's from a famous trial in the nineties of a president. Um, but I'm like, it depends on what the meaning of and is like, it's, it's true. Like when you say the importance of, and it's so deep like it's not just and it's not just the word and it's like the mental framework of resisting the urge to put a spin on it to say this is hard but I'll figure it out soon or something but to say this is hard and I'm facing it and with this it's like you have this big, like some people refer to like having chronic illnesses, like, like a big, like a backpack with like a bowling ball in it or something, something you you're carrying. You're not saying, 
and I'm going to take the backpack off soon. And they're going to figure out how to cut the, cut this, you know, straps off. It's like, no, this is hard. And I will carry this, you know, my, my childhood best friend, like freed me the other day, because we were talking about a situation with another friend who's not really, um, accepting where my health is at the moment. And I was sharing that, like, I think they probably just didn't understand, like, because they saw me in this really great light, you know, they saw me doing this and they probably thought, Oh, if she can do this, she can do that. And my friend said, if that's true, that's super upsetting. She said, because we're people who knew you before pain ever entered into your life. And she Mm -hmm. said, when I look at you, even when it seems like you're having your best day, I can see that you're in pain. And I like wept because like, I see it in my photos. I see it. But like uh, the fact that this childhood best friend who knew me before, like goes, I see it all the time. Like you could be doing a better day, yes, have a better day. And I see yes. it like, and they, and they should have been able to see it too. But in that it's like, okay, like that freed me. And it also was like, great. Then I'm going to keep getting my photo taken in these memories and in these moments. And I'm going to still be able to see that I'm in pain and I'm going to remember that I was in pain and I want to be in the photo. Like, because I want to be at the the memory moment. I want to not miss things because of the pain. And sometimes I do, I'm currently on vacation right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's Mm -hmm. things that, that, but what I'm saying is, is that it's like, I don't want to not show up. You know what I mean? Like I want that. That's what I mean by that. And you know what I mean? Like mm. I want, I want, I want to, to live, even if it's like, okay, some days it's really, really uh, like we're dragging to get there. You know, I still, I just still want to show up. So. Yeah. That's beautiful. Showing up in a clunky way. Is yeah. <laughs> showing up as a perfectly imperfect. At least, at least show. in this season, that's where we are. So. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I'm the same. I want to uh, there's a saying by Glennon Doyle Melton, like right from your scars, not your wounds, like saying mm-hmm. like, in, in that sense, she was saying, wait until you've kind of processed the pain to write about it. But it's like, well, if you're, if your shitty situation is like ongoing, you have to write from your wound. Like yes. you have to just yes. say like, yeah, this is, I'm not sure what's going on right now. It's not yes. a neat and tidy little package and it's messy. Yes. Again, as Taylor Swift said, it's messy and it's magical. <laughs> <That's what laughs> <laughs> we're happy free confused and lonely in this at the same time same time yep <laughs> i relate dude that was you're talking about being 22 i'm 41 i'm almost 42 i'm that's still feeling that way <laughs> it's miserable and magical oh yeah sorry you guys are gonna be sick of hearing about taylor swift because the concert's in exactly four weeks for me and i am ramping up the excitement it's a big deal gotta but gotta I, gotta prep so <laughs> yeah my husband's being coached um a lot and I'm also coaching myself, like something could happen. You could get really sick and you could not miss it anyway. So <laughs> that's me, but I'm going to put your links in the, in the uh, show notes for your Facebook. Um, and so people can follow you is, um, any, anything else you want to say, or are we ready to conclude? That was no, my little, I'm really, went off. Okay, yeah, really good. grateful that you, yeah, you should go get Charlie. <laughs> I do have to get my I'm, son. Uh, <laughs> no, grateful to have been able to share. Thanks for having me. No. And thank you. And I, I, I had forgotten that that's how you learned about this work that I'm doing through the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I love that. It's like a full circle moment and, you know, thank you for showing up when I know it's hard to show up when you don't, when you want to have a a quote unquote, like a tidier story. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is reality and this is what people need, you know, to 
these are the stories people need to hear. So thank you again. Yeah. Thanks, Cheryl. Okay. Bye-bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Arthritis Life Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, an educational program I created from scratch to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported, and connected in a matter of weeks. You can go through the pre-recorded course on your own, or you can take the course along with a support group. Learn more at the link in my show notes, or you can always go to www.myarthritislife.net. And if you like this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to rate and review it. I also encourage you to share it with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I also wanted to remind you that you can find full transcripts, videos, and detailed show notes with hyperlinks for each episode on my website, www.myarthritislife.net. If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you want to share your story or wisdom on the podcast, just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you. Ciao.